<laughs> verse number one, Matthew chapter two, verse number one. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. This morning we're looking at worshiping him. You either worship him or you oppose him. There's no, there's no middle ground here. You either accept him or reject him. You're for or against. What are you going to do with this Christ? What are you going to do with Jesus that came to earth to be our Savior? Now here we're looking at uh, the story of the wise men that came, and then we're going to look at Herod that uh, actually opposed afterwards. And, and, uh, and there's several Christmas traditions that we look at in the story here. Sometimes we get them mixed up, but let's take a look and, and uh, into this uh, uh, lesson, into this message here this morning after we pray, and, and let's ask the Lord's blessings upon the service here this morning. Lord, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for everything that's, that's uh, taken place so far, the, the wonderful uh, Christian fellowship that we can have, and Lord, the things that we have to rejoice over, Lord, the wonderful message of salvation and for those of us who have found our lord jesus christ to be our personal lord and savior and lord thank you so much for that lord i, I love you i thank you for having the patience to um to convict me and bring me to the place to where i repented of my sin and trusted christ as my savior and it's an offer to every person every man and woman every boy and girl that has ever lived lord i i thank you for that i thank you for um, the, the wonderful event that we celebrate this week, the, the, uh, the, the coming to earth and presenting yourself as that uh, perfect sacrifice. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to see some things that would be a blessing for those that are here that know about Jesus but don't know him. Lord, I pray this would be a special day, a, a red-letter day. Lord, I pray that you just be with us Help us in these next few moments. Open up your word to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Let's uh, read the entire uh, passage here. Uh, probably down to verse number 17. Let's again start with verse number 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced 
with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not, should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared uh, appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and on all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. And then was fulfilled that which was spoken of, uh, spoken by Jeremy the prophet, and that's the weeping that had taken place because of the murder of the infants and the children. There are several Christian, Christian or Christmas traditions that uh, we kind of just accept because of uh, portrayals of Christmas and the Christmas story that are kind of a couple of different stories <clears throat> that are blended together. This one and then also the one where the, uh, the night of Christ's birth where the shepherds are called in uh, to the stable to see the, the, uh, the Lord. And sometimes we'll, we'll see the shepherds around that manger scene uh, in the, the barn and you have uh, Jesus on the... Uh, uh, manger laid in, in the hay and there's animals around and then you'll see the three wise men uh, with their gold and frankincense and myrrh and they're, they're presenting that. But that's actually not the case. There, there's two different stories that are kind of blended in together. <clears throat> Sometimes we think that there are only three wise men. This is what the Bible, uh, the, the story is, that there's three wise men. Well, there, there might have been more we really don't know. The, the number is not given. I tell you what is given is the gifts that they had, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which <clears throat> was very insightful because the gold representing his royalty and frankincense, his divinity, that's like you worship with frankincense like your prayers, and, and myrrh, that was his humanity. Uh, myrrh was an embalming that had to do with uh, uh, kind of like uh, preserving a corpse, and it was very expensive, the, the, the uh, chemical myrrh, and and so they were, were presenting this uh, understanding who Jesus was, uh, his royalty, his divinity, and his humanity, that eventually he would die for all mankind. But that's th th those three gifts, and we just take it that there's three wise men, but there could have been more. There were probably many security strong in that group who gave a scare to Herod because they had to travel from the east getting to where they were took a long time and they had to go through marauders and, and thieves and, and uh, uh, wicked men who would, who would uh, take their treasure and, and uh, steal from them and so they had to have it uh, uh, secured. So it was probably a large group that came to Herod and not just three wise men. Sometimes we even have three wise men and their names but the Bible doesn't, uh, doesn't teach that. <clears throat> and then it, uh, we think sometimes because the stories are, are blended, we think that they were there at Jesus' birth. But it says in verse 2 that 
This is their words. We have seen his star in the east and are come <coughs> to worship him. From the east to travel that far. They did, couldn't get on a plane or uh, some kind of a bullet train. It took a long time, sometimes a year or two, maybe sometimes three years to get from, to travel in a caravan from the east to where they were there in Jerusalem. And so it, it must have been about two years. And the Bible portrays Jesus as a young child in our text in verse number 13. They came to see the young child, not the baby, not the infant, but the young child. And re remember when Herod attacked, he attacked the children, verse number 16. Uh, it says that, that he, attacked, uh, he, he murdered those who were two years old and under just to make sure that he, he uh, uh, caught that king that was coming. Why did he go to two years old? Well, because he inquired diligently when. He says, when did you begin your journey? And, and he got this whole thing, this whole scheme, and then he realized, okay, so that means that Jesus must have been born about two years ago, and so that's what he did. That's what it says in verse number 16. He, he murdered those two years old and under because of verse 7, that time that he inquired. So they actually weren't there at Jesus' birth. They were there afterwards. And sometimes we read the story that the star continually led them right to where Jesus was. Well, actually, that's, that didn't happen. Uh, it says that uh, the, uh, the star appeared and brought them so far, and then it disappeared. It, 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 they, they were on their own. They're in Jerusalem saying, looking around, saying, well, where's the child? And so there was a time that the star ceased, but then it reappeared in verse number 9, verse number 10. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young child where it was. Okay, so when that star appeared again, they exceedingly rejoiced because it, it came again, and then they had further instruction. You wonder, why did God do that? Why did God bring them all the way to that area of Israel, but not all the way in? It could have been to notify Herod. It could have been to notify the others when they got there, asking around, where is this child? Where is the one that we've come to worship? And with that kind of an entourage from the east, it really must have been, uh, uh, I mean, uh, noised abroad that something was going on. Maybe that's why, maybe God wanted Herod uh, to uh, uh, take note here, and maybe it was for him and for the others in Jerusalem that were not going to worship him, but it needed to be announced. Who knows? What can we learn from the wise men? Well, you, you learn from this story that it cost them, really it cost them dearly to come to worship the Christ. This was no light deal to, to stop what they were doing, to take a trek which they had to have the, the resources and the funds to put into this kind of an endeavor to go uh, two years, three years uh, uh, travel and then another couple years back home. Uh, this took a large chunk out of their lives. The years that they invested in the treasures and the risks that they took on the road, it cost them to worship Christ. And by the way, folks, it costs folks to worship Christ today. Same thing. And they were truly wise. You know, we see that saying, wise men still seek him. They sought to attend the peak and... The, 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 the greatest event of the millennium, the, 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 the greatest thing that, 
that the race of man has, has ever uh, known was the time that God dealt with them in sending his son to redeem the race, to reconnect a fallen, sinful mankind to a holy God. This was, this was a top event of not just the century, but the millennial, not just the millennium, but of the entire history of man. And, and, uh, and they were wise to be there at that time. And they assumed that other dignities would have had sympathetic positions as they, because they came in, and when they spoke with Herod, saying, we come to worship him also like you must be interested in. But Herod was not. You know, that's the weirdest phrase. It says, when Herod heard about this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem. It was whatever that was going on, the business and the, and the commerce and, the, and all, they were troubled when they heard about this one who was, who was going to weasel his way into power. And that's really what Herod was worried about, losing power. He didn't care about the people. He a great politician, how about that? Maybe I should say a common politician. Didn't care really about the people, was, cared about power or losing power. And that's all that, that Herod was worried about. But these wise men came and they, they thought, well, well, surely you would, you would uh, uh, honor this one that has come. But they didn't. They knew God's leading. These wise men, they, they could teach others the truth, at least the truth that they had. Verse number seven, it says, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star had appeared. He had a lot of questions about, okay, why are you coming? What happened? Tell me about this. He, he wanted to, not for the same reasons, but he wanted to find out about this Christ. And so he, he, he asked these wise men, sat them down, and, and, and gained from them everything that they had to, to give. And they could tell Herod, they could tell the others exactly what God did and how the God led to that point. And then, you know what? With all, of their, with all of their effort and investment, the Bible does say that God did communicate specifically with them. In confirmation, verse number 12, it says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country. In another way, God spoke to them specifically. Wow. How about that? What can we learn from Herod? Well, it's interesting. I tell you, this is very interesting. He trusted the Bible. Say, preacher, no, he was not a believer, or he was not on God's side. He was not in God's corner. But the Bible says in verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, that is the religious people, the people that knew the Bible, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written, and they quoted the scripture. They said exactly what, what the Bible said. And, and here he, he, what he did was he took what the word of God said and the prophecy of the word of God, and although he didn't follow the scriptures himself, he knew it was God's word. And he put stock into that. And he said, okay, well, we're looking for this one who will be born, the king of the Jews, where? And it says, in Bethlehem. And so that's where the, the search began, in Bethlehem. That's where he told the wise men to go, go uh, search out and, and find this one. Report back to me. 
and, and he, believed, he believed what the Word of God, you know what, he, didn't, he wasn't following the Bible, was he? But he, he trusted it. Uh, he, uh, he, he trusted the, the validity of it. He could, he could even teach the truth to others. <laughs> How about that? Verse 8. The Bible says he, Herod, sent them, the wise men, to Bethlehem and said, go search diligently for the young child. Herod, now get this, Herod actually helped them get on track by teaching them the word of God. <laughs> Isn't that something? A lost person. Folks, it doesn't matter who you are. The Bible works and is valid and is true. And no matter what the discipline is, whether it deals about this or that or whatever, it's accurate and it's trustworthy. It's verified. Herod had access to the Bible, and so he said, okay, this is what we're going to do, uh, wise men. It's not here in Jerusalem, but it's actually six miles south of here. He, he pinpointed the place, Bethlehem. That's where you go search, because that's what the Bible said. See, because the, the, the Bible was 100% on point when it came to prophecy, when it came to the, the truth in the Word of God. It was accurate. It was verified. And, and folks, that's the one thing about the Bible that you've got to understand. It's, it's verified in geography, in history, in science, whether you believe it or not, it is. I just uh, uh, came across this the other day about how that the Bible and science coincide. The Bible affirms science, or science affirms the Bible in so many ways. Job chapter 26, verse 7, the earth is free-floating in space. It says, he hangeth the earth upon nothing. That's not, those are concepts Folks, this is, this is thousands and thousands of years before modern science where the Bible teaches, God taught that the, the earth is, is free-floating. Leviticus 15, 13, the Bible talks about, uh, 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 what is it, uh, cleanliness. How that when you're to cleanse something, you're, you're to clean something, you're to wash your hands in water, but not just water, running water. Wash your hands over running water. Did you know that it was not until 1845 that Dr. Agnes uh, Samuelweis was working on uh, corpses and teaching in medical schools and then uh, even sometimes even washing their hands in bowls of water and then they would uh, transfer to go to uh, uh, checking and dealing with, with uh, uh, maternal patients, mothers, and, and delivering children, and they had more than 30% of all pregnant women back then died of awful, terrible diseases. They had no clue about what they were doing, what, what was going on. And then somebody said, now wait a minute, the Bible says to, to, to proper cleanliness is to wash your hands in running water. That's preposterous. But he, he, this, this uh, scientist said, you know what, that's what the Word of God says, let's do some study in that. And so then they changed their practices, and then they began washing their hands. Doctors began washing their hands in running water, and it went from 30% of, of pregnant women died to 2% immediately. You know, the Bible is not a science book or not a medical book, but it's accurate. 
<laughs> How about that? Leviticus 17, 11 says that the life is in the blood. That's what the Bible says. You know, it's the health of heart and kidneys, liver, diabetes, diseases. And, you know, uh, it, it wasn't until just recently that uh, the doctors would, would think that, you know, if you had high blood pressure or whatever, they called some, it was called bloodletting. They would, they would bleed people because they had too much pressure in, in your you know, veins or whatever, so they bloodlet and they would bleed out patients to their death. That's what happened to our first president, George Washington. Did you know that? It's amazing. 80 ounces of blood before he, died, he passed. You know, we don't do that anymore. Now, when, you know, we've kind of caught up to the Bible. Now, when people have problems, we give them transfusions. You know, we, we, we give them blood. You know why? Because the Bible says, God says, life is in the blood. <clears throat> in Isaiah 40, verse 22 the Bible talks about the circle of the earth or the sphere of the earth, like a, a globe, like a ball. I'm sorry for the flat earthers. That's <laughs> it's not biblical. But anyway, but the Bible taught about that 712 years before Christ. And it wasn't until modern science where you have uh, scientists that have, that have figured, finally figured things out. That's exactly, that is exactly what the Bible teaches, what God... How about that? In Psalm 8, 8, the Bible talks about the paths of the seas. Well, seas don't have paths. Ocean, oceans don't have currents or certain, certain paths. They do. Actually, they do. Matthew Murray in 1806, he sought to find what the Bible says, the paths of the seas, and he wrote monumental works in oceanography on the continental currents, which are still used today in universities and educational institutions. Why? Because the Bible talked about the paths of the seas, and so and he's just kind of catching up to things. It's interesting, a, a South Korean shipbuilding company named Crisco, they compared ships and dimensions and because uh, they're, they're building big, great barges that would take material, you know, intercontinental uh, travel across great seas. And so they've, they've got a, a, a company that with all of the, with all of the, the uh, computer-generated uh, uh, physics and everything else, they, they came up with the, the most ideal dimensions of a large barge-type ship and it's exactly, it's exactly the dimensions of Genesis chapter 6, verse number 15, when God gave the dimensions of the ark. Coincidence, huh? Well, you know, actually, it's no wonder that one of the greatest scientists, mathematicians of all times, Johannes Kepler, he said of his studies, science is the process of thinking God's thoughts after him. Kind of just discovering what God says and all. In Leviticus 13, 46, uh, the Bible teaches about quarantines, how that when there's somebody sick, they should be quarantined, set off, and not in the general public because that would spread diseases. It wasn't until the 17th century that the general population adopted being quarantined, these medically helpful procedures, after the Black Death of the 14th century, took 70 million lives in Europe. 70 million lives because they failed to quarantine. They just didn't follow the basic medical in, uh, advice that the Bible gives. Whew. You know, folks, the Bible is not a, 
a scientific book, but the Bible is accurate in science. No matter, no matter what uh, uh, discipline, whether you believe it or not, the Bible can and does help in the real time and space of this universe, whether it's financial, emotional, scientific, biological, medical ways. It's verified in every discipline. You know, you know what? And getting back to our text with Herod, Herod saw what the Bible uh, said and what it offered, and he even taught that to others. He didn't believe it himself. But he understood its validity. But, but see, the thing about Herod was he didn't totally believe the Bible. Back in our text in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 6, the Bible said very clearly, this is what he knew, what he heard from the, the, the scribes and those that were, were uh, uh, quoting the Bible. It says, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. God says Jesus Christ will be eventual. He will be the ruler. And while Herod knew the Bible was reliable, he didn't fully submit the, to the omnipotent God behind the Bible. He just kind of went his own way, and he, he didn't really believe, believe. I mean, he understood what it said, got that much of it. You know, the wise men's appropriate response to this child that came from heaven, they rejoiced. Verse 10, a couple of times in the, in the passage here in our, our text, they rejoiced. They rejoiced to be led of God. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They fell down and worshipped. The Bible says in verse 11, when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And they sacrificed. It says, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's appropriate. That's right, folks. Folks, that's what we should do, the very same thing. We should do the very same thing. But we're focusing in today on Herod. And so looking at Herod and his opposition... Three things that characterize Herod will be done. Number one, he cried. Uh, the Bible says in verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. He opposed. He, he uh, uh, objected. And, and all Jerusalem with him, with him, they opposed God. He complained. He whimpered. He criticized. He derided. He, listen, folks, he didn't, he didn't go along with God. He showed his objection and folks, go ahead, have it all you want to, here and now. Anybody can. We've got scoffers. Talk about scoffers. No uh, uh, lack of scoffers and atheists and those who hate God. They hate the thought of God. They don't even want to be thinking about it. And so they're going to be opposing. They're going to be crying about whatever God says or does, whatever. This is the only time that you're going to be free to bellyache. It's right here and right now. Go ahead. You can cry about it every day. Everybody someday will be bowing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow. That's what the Bible says. But Herod, when he heard about Christ, number one, he cried. Number two, he lied. And the reason why he cried and rather than opposed or, or criticized or whatever is because it, it rhymes, okay? So I'm going to put this together so you'll remember this. You'll remember this when you leave. <laughs> One of our visitors, uh, Brother Belt, he's here today. <laughs> a couple weeks back, he, he showed up and he says, and he was trying to uh, help me to remember his name. He says, my name is Belt, like Belt. You know, so I saw him today. Hey, Brother Belt. He says, oh, you remembered. I said, I can't forget Belt. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> so you'll remember this message, folks. You'll remember this message. Herod cried. Number two, lied. Herod lied. Verse number eight says, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Right. Yeah. Liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He plotted and he planned and he schemed and he connived. Verse number 16, it says, And he slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof for two years old and under. From, from two years old and under. See, it didn't matter what he did. He was, he was still going to lose. He tried to oppose. He, he tried to, to get around this. He tried to stop Jesus, but he couldn't stop him. He couldn't kill him. He couldn't halt the progression of God. He was still going to lose. He couldn't overcome the Lord, and neither can you, and neither can the scoffers today. Even though men know that they cannot win against God, they still try. And here's Herod. He's trying with everything, all of his power, and he's doing things. He, he's, he's sinning awfully, terribly, against mankind and against the innocent. It doesn't matter to him. He wants to snuff out the Christ. He opposed the Lord in his, in his opposition. He cried. He lied. And then let's complete it. He died. Look at verse 15. And it was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord. You know something? The Lord has the last word. Verse 19, it says, and Herod died. Jesus won, Herod, goose egg, <laughs> zero. See, Jesus won here and everywhere he's ever contended with the enemy. Jesus has never faced an enemy that he's not bettered. Aren't you glad about that? It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter Satan. It doesn't matter the wicked. It doesn't matter those that are in opposition. Jesus always, always always wins. See, and the, and the truth about it is, friend, you'll also die someday. And you're going to face your Savior. Or you're going to face your enemy. You see, you see the, 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 the wise men, on the one hand, they recognized who Christ was. And they rejoiced and they fell down. They worshipped him and they sacrificed for him. We could do that. Or we could oppose him like Herod. Who eventually died and then has to face God in his shoes. So you're going to face the Lord someday as your Savior or as your enemy. Wake up. Wake up this Christmas. Adjust your position before the Lord. You'll either worship or you'll get blown away. We have a great God great God that loves us. I am, I am so glad that I'm saved. I'm so glad that he loves us. I'm so glad that I'm on the right side of him. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to fall down before him and worship him. And I'm going to sacrifice. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment. <laughs>